presented by Cedar Sinai. Shifty work into the box. And the cross, it's in! Oh, it's LaRue! It's a dream return! Welcome to Casual FC, an Angel City preview pod. But today, for your soccer terms class. I'm your host, Angela Morales. Ever IT technical man, my co-host, Mario Salazar. And today, our two special guests, the actual and infamous Angel City Chicks, Nina and Amanda. Pam, 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 pam. What's up, Angel City? We are so excited to be here today to do this epic cross pod uh with you both i cannot wait to get into this i feel like i'm gonna probably end up learning a lot along with all of our listeners as well nina's always teaching me about all things soccer so this is gonna be a lot of fun that's right we're crossing it over having fun teaching a master intro class here with our other favorite podcasters (laughs) of course thanks for having us oh yeah thank you so glad to have you guys and yeah, thank you for uh, joining us. This is going to be a great little uh, soccer explainer. As if you've been following us on on socials, we've been throwing out little like, you know, I have a I have the the, the Chris Pratt meme from like Parks and Rec, where it's like I don't I'm too afraid too afraid to add now. But you know, there's there's plenty of there's plenty of people that I meet in the stadium that are there for the first time or yeah are there for the first time and watching soccer for the first time. So that's what gave me the idea of like, hey, we should probably do this like evergreen, you know, soccer terms just to be like, you know, if you if you're embarrassed and you don't want to ask your friend to be like, what does this mean? You've got us to help you out and then you can be full of knowledge when you go to those games or you watch it at the bar with your friends. Definitely. So like Mario said, this is for the newbies, the casual fans and basically anybody who just wants to learn more about the nitty gritty so when we're like any of the four of us are referring to any random soccer term that you're like what you can just come back to here we're like your glossary yes (laughs) the glossary is a great thing (laughs) (laughs) and let's just dive right into it the 102 episode of soccer terms that you might have about or things that you might need to know a derby or a derby Spelled Derby, D-E-R-B-Y, but Derby because of the English and whatever. It just means rivalry match. It just means the rivalry match, right? The Derby. Can you say rivalry week? Rivalry rivalry week. No. Rivalry week. No, right now, listening in broadcasting. Rivalry week. As fast as you can. It's almost impossible. Derby week. Derby week. How much easier. There you go. So yeah, a derby is a rivalry match, and we kind of have a built-in one with the San Diego Wave, the uh, Angel City, like LA versus SD this oh. year. The year with Bay FC coming in, we will have possibly a Bay Area, you know, LA, San Francisco, or they're not San Francisco, they're Bay, but whatever. yeah, because they're in San Jose. Like it's it's, it's not even the Bay. It's they need to rethink this, but it's a little late. <laughs> I love shade. I'm living for the shade. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I have, I've been a proponent now that we have three teams in California. There needs to be like 
like a California cup, like just, yeah. Like just California, between classic, three teams. California cup. Like, mm-hmm. is that what it feels like? That's what the, what is it? The Coachella invitational is, but it needs a better name and it needs to be a tournament. Like I Absolutely. need a winner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I just want to go like buy points in the season, which one of the three teams Ooh. wins the San Andreas cup. Ooh! Ooh! I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Let's get everybody else in. And if you have an idea for a name. ACFC on the line. Okay. And yeah. if somebody's joining us and they don't live in California, San Andreas, what? <laughs> Why that? Like, <laughs> Earthquakes. It's the big giant thing that's going to put LA as an <laughs> island out in the Pacific Ocean. In any disaster movie you see. Yeah. No oh my God. Now I know what I'm doing it. this afternoon. Oh my oh, goodness. No. Ah. <laughs> okay. And a question for the group. Who else do you see as a rival? I, I, Portland? Savannah McCaskill. The sneaky. Yeah. Savannah McCaskill, but personnel. <laughs> Just her personally right now, I think. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we loved you so much and you hurt us. Man. Did you see that TikTok? I don't know. Yeah. Um, where she's running, running the wrong, the wrong way. way. You're yes. running a long you're running, way down the you're beach. Running back here. You're running north, my friend. <laughs> yeah. That's not how this goes. Yeah. Um, sorry. Ooh. My bad. I always yeah. see Gotham as a rival, and especially now with like all their new signings and winning last year. But before yeah. that, even because we took so many players and staff from Gotham, I always kind of considered them a rival in that sense. Yeah. Like Gotham in that same sense for me, but we also like, absorbed so many players who played in Orlando, but there's no real like Orlando is still trying to figure out what to do with themselves. Yeah. Like in general. They're just it's frustrating. But Mario has a note here, like Portland question mark because of the back heel. Bella it's just Bella. That's that's the rivalry. It's just Bella. Nah, it's just the Bella rivalry against Bella. I think we yeah. got kind of squashed in the five to one because girl got robbed. Yeah. Robbed. <laughs> Loved and it. I loved it. Like, so watch out, Savannah. We're going to rock you too. Yeah. That'll be interesting. But show. <laughs> oh, all uh, right, guys. Would you like me to move on to some, I don't know, some more, maybe a little more difficult, some, I guess, some yeah. flight tactics. Let's, Let's play vocab with yeah. her. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> all right. So go. I'm pretty good at the vocab, so we're good. Nina's the one that trips over her words most of the time, so. <laughs> All right. All right, in this little segment of this pod, we're going to talk a little bit about styles of play, some more specific ones. I mean, this we could talk for days about how to play this game in the different ways, but some fun terms we're going to get into, I'm going to start with, is a counterattack. Now, a counterattack is something that you're going to see. It's very quick. It's an attacking play who most of the time is by a team that was just on the defensive side of things. So you see a team that's got all this space, you know, in front of them or driving the ball up and you're going to see the defense kind of tightly packed who's not really allowing much to happen outside of that 18-yard box. And their goal in this on a counterattack is to really dispossess that offense and have a quick sprint run kind of play down to the other end. You know, this is going to be happening whenever uh, you see a really fast, aggressive team that is able to to kind of grab the ball and sprint towards goal. And usually they're going to hopefully have more numbers on there. So you're going to see this a lot, unfortunately, with teams that maybe think the other team is better than them. 
that's going to be their style of play in that sense so that they can have an advantage. If tactically they don't think they're as good, but they think they're fast and they think that defensively they can pressure them a lot, you're going to see them play a counterattack. A counterattack can also be when a team maybe gets a corner kick and they're able to uh, move the ball out of the box and then all of a sudden they are on the offensive to the other side, quick sprint down on that end of the goal. Now, it's a lot of fun to watch teams that play this way. I do like, I, I do enjoy that. I think I've, we've seen teams like LAFC, we've seen them play a lot as a counterattacking type of team, giving a lot of space in front of them, letting them possess the ball, letting them see what they're going to do with the ball. And then in that instance, they attack, able to get that out, and their fast guys go down to the other end and, and play like that. I can't say that ACFC is quite, I haven't seen them play a lot of counterattacking ball. I, I don't know, maybe depending on the teams we play. you have anything you want to add to that, Nina, since you're like the tactician on this? Do you like seeing the counterattack type of play? I do, but I'm also a very defensive-minded person. I enjoy a good defense. I love Italian soccer. And (laughs) when you see things like that, when you have and you know your defense is stronger than theirs and you are going to be trying to catch them off guard, you're basically luring them into your web. There's there's something very attractive and sinister in a counterattack where you're like, yes, come closer, come closer. <laughs> oh, oh, the goal's open. <laughs> oh, just, now it's not. <laughs> I just love this. I I love a good counterattack. But you talked about the TST tournament on the last pod. And a lot, a lot, a lot of times when you see those smaller sided games as you delve deeper into the soccer world and we lure you in with all of our knowledge, you're going to see smaller sided games rely heavily on the counterattack when they can, you know, on indoor soccer, which Amanda's very familiar with, you know, Mm -hmm. you can play that ball up very quickly and get it into the opponent's half. So you're relying on your team's speed and your team's ability to catch their defense off guard. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on to another type of play called playing from the back. So what does playing from the back in soccer mean? Well, Basically, this is when they are going to pass the ball out from the goalkeeper to defenders and kind of inch the ball along. They're not going to kick it long. They're not going to try to get it into that attacking third quickly. They are going to try and entice the opposing team to come on, come and press them. They're going to try to draw that uh, defensive side closer to them just to kind of open up that space behind them and then you know hopefully get a lot closer to the goal that way so a lot of fun play whenever you can see a team that tactically can play successfully from the back that can connect those passes you know you've got a lot of good defense back there that are good with their feet and uh, yeah it's a lot of fun i enjoy it anybody want to comment on playing from the back do you have any thoughts on I mean, that it's a really nice way of seeing the build teams that play from the back a lot like you kind of need to see them reset, right? They kind of let they they let the, the ball kind of get back over there. Then they kind of slow the play down because they want to reset. They want to control what's happening. And then they start moving it up, you know, with with the intent of like, we will control this ball all the way to the end. So it's very kind of, in my head, it's very methodical. It can be super fast or it could be like, hey, slow your roll. We got this. So it's, I think I think it it it's it's really interesting whenever you whenever you start noticing that that's, that's what's happening. Definitely, and it's something we saw a lot in the first season and a half with Angel City. We played a lot through our keeper, through our defense, because the majority of our offense was injured. 
or not being used or what have you. And then once the tweed era took over, things were a lot faster. Things were moving up the sides. But there's a lot to be said in playing from the back and what that does for a team's vision, team strategy, all that good stuff. Yeah. And it's really interesting because when you play from the back, you can also play that counterattack. And a lot of the time that comes when playing over the top where that ball is kind of lobbed into the air and you're relying on your team's height. Think like your Taylor Corniaks, who are six foot 75,000. <laughs> and they're going to win every ball over the top. So when we play for the counterattack for Angel City, if we're playing San Diego Wave and we're coming across Taylor Corniak, we're not going to play it over the top. We're going to play from the back, but we're not going to play it over the top because we can't compete with that height. Yeah, yeah, we we're, we're not a tall team. <laughs> we are not. We're not a uh, we're not a very imposing team in that sense. I mean, I would love to see us get a little bit more, you know, a little more height there in the box and see what we can do with it. I would like to see a lot of things. Hopefully, uh, you know, they've got some ace in the hole that we're uh, we just don't know, and they're keeping it real hush hush. So right. I hope so. Why can't right? somebody just tell me where's my crystal ball? I know. One thing that we do do a lot is when we play, we we do a lot of, we, we play as like a, a switch kind of team where we're going to move the ball from one side to the other. We're going to go right to left when we're going down the pitch. So you're going to draw everybody over to the right side. And then all of a sudden we're going to be able to get that ball over to that left side where we've opened up a little bit more space for somebody, especially somebody who's quick. You know, you look at someone like Claire Emsley, who's, you know, going to come quick down that side or who else would run Alyssa. real fast down? Alyssa. Spencer. Alyssa. Alyssa. There you go. Alyssa. Spencer. Yes. And so we, you know, we see MA. her a lot of times on that, yeah, on those sides. She's so fast. So draw that team over onto that one side, see her open up some space, get that ball to the right. And everybody's going to have to switch, but no one's going to catch her because she's just so fast. And, you know, that can be a great style of play for us to utilize when we don't have that height that we can't just like play it into the box and rely on that. Now, my favorite of all these tactics is, of course, this next one parking the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, defense. Who doesn't love to see them do, I mean, basically a Red Rover line down there? Like, come on over. We're here. Bring it to us. Like, certainly not an attacking style of play. It is a play where you just want to avoid the other team scoring into your goal. I'm sure they do this for a lot of reasons. I mean, a team that's trying to just avoid getting scored on, period. Maybe they're fine with a 0-0 draw. Maybe they've gone up one to nothing and they're like, listen, we don't know if we can sustain this. We need to park the bus. We need to put some big bad defenders in the back. We are not going to be attacking much. We are going to be back here holding it down and just trying to keep that ball out of the back. And you see this a lot of teams with the, that are just not as good. Teams that you just know are going to have a very hard time getting any kind of offense going, and they're going to get caught in their counterattacks pretty badly. So we're just going to stay back, and we're going to do that. So I, I don't know. I think, I think it's really funny. You can definitely tell when a team has parked the bus visually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's when, yeah, it's especially when, like, you're like, wait, wait, there's, there's like three people back there. There's four people. Now there's seven people. Why yeah, are there like seven people back there in front of the goal? Are they having a meeting that they didn't invite yeah. us to? <laughs> is there something happening? Like, what is going on? But the other thing, either way, in like yep. the 80th minute when they sub out, like you're Claire Emsley, you're attacking forward, you're strong point person. And then they sub in Allie Riley. <laughs> like right. when you see that attacker for defender, we're parking that bus. <laughs> yep. Got it. 
All right, let's keep moving along real quick just to a couple fun little terms. And these are going to be on the scoring side of things. We're going to talk about a bicycle kick. Bicycle kick is one of those things that when you see it, it's almost always going to make your goal of the week. So if it did find its way into the back of the net, it's such an athletic, aerobatic kind of maneuver where you're going to see that player read the ball pretty much perfectly. I mean, Blatani Ibrahimovic has done this so many times. I mean, some of his goals that he's done with a bicycle kick are just so incredible to watch. And it's basically whenever they are able to see a ball coming and they time it just perfectly, they are able to jump up with, let's say they're right-footed. They're going to jump up with that left foot is going to propel them up, but they're going to switch that in the air and they're going to be able to kick that ball with the other foot. It's always going to be over their head. It's going to be amazing. It's going to look like a kind of like a bicycle would, like a tire, a wheel, just the way that it rotates. And it's beautiful. And if you try it at home, you will end up in the hospital. Please do not try this at home. A bicycle kick is not something that it's going to end well for you if you do not have any kind of acrobatic mats on the floor. But you are not when you see see it, when you see it, you're not Sid Larue. Exactly. Yes. When she did that, amazing. Ugh. So I love a good bicycle kick highlight. There's they're a lot of fun. I'll tell you. On the other end of that is something that they call a panenka, (laughs) and if you've seen a panenka, you'll know it. They'll call it out every single time. It is about the cheekiest, most probably arrogant kind of penalty kick that you can ever see a player do. And it's pretty much whenever they run up to the goalkeeper and instead of going left or right with a nice hard shot, trying to get top bends or something, they literally chip it, get under the ball, lob it up straight down the middle. It's one of those I always i know it's the softest kick ever it's it's an insult to the keeper it is pretty much like i said it's a it's kind of an arrogant type of thing because if that keeper is expecting it or can read it and is really good it's going to be an easy easy grab for them they're going to be able to catch it they're going to be able and it's going to make you look like an idiot at the end of the day but yes at the end of the day we always know that keepers they try to choose left or right that's just what they do they're going to kind of you know, go off instinct on what they think they're going to get. And once they do that, a panenka doesn't matter how soft it is. They've already committed and it's going to go right down the middle and it's going to look, it's going to look very cheeky at the end of the day. Yeah. It's do you cheeky. like it? Do you, do you not American. like it? It's such a dick move and I love every second <laughs> of it. <laughs> it is. You have to go. I wonder what's going through the head of someone who's like, I'm going to do a panenka. Like, why did they choose that? You know, are they, are they it's just not because they can't it? get hard? Is that why they're doing it? Maybe yeah. they just lost some confidence and they're trying to be cheeky. I don't know. But Mario, have I ever sent you the video of Amanda when we were trying to play soccer bowling? No. I'll send it to you. Oh, I'll send it to you. <laughs> it, it's not oh, like Amanda. Amanda was trying to do soccer bowling and instead of being in the lane, she epically like gutter balls, like up and far to the left. I'm a volleyball player. I'm so sorry. I play volleyball. I play with my hands. (laughs) I play with feet. Anyways, those are some fun terms for you guys to all get familiar with. You'll hear them on broadcast and you'll see them when they talk about highlights. So it's kind of fun to know what those mean. Um, Those those two specifically are like highlight reel stuff. Like if you you got the panenka, the thing is the panenka will give you the highlight reel either way it, it turns out. 
Right. Highlight because, wow, that was a dumb move. You should have just crushed it because no one's going to criticize, I think, a, a PK taker if they crush a ball, but the keeper just gets a great save. At the end of the day, it's, you know, we know it's a game of chance. But when you do a Panenka and if you get saved, then you're like, wow, you should have just, you just should have went for it. But you make it, then you're like, oh, cheeky. But you I probably can't do that a lot. And you back it up. When you're cocky yes. and you like, yeah, Hannah scored. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> for those who've been following soccer for a while, Mario Balotelli, like, well, just not a very nice human <laughs> in terms of <laughs> soccer playing. And probably uh, one of the words that Mario's going to go into in a second, a little bit of that SH yeah, housery. The, the, the shit housery, <laughs> which is my favorite one. And we'll, we'll get to that one at the end. Love um, it, love it, love I, it. So another couple terms to think as as we keep going along, and we've talked about this previously in another pod, but, you know, kind of wrapping everything up on a nice bow here is a six point game. It's something yeah, that there's you'll only hear. three points. How, how do you get what? That's so yes, for us. There's only three points. But because of the fact that we can tie in soccer, the points table can start getting very tight, right? There could be teams that are tied on points in in the kind of rankings you could have teams that are only a point or so away and so a six point game happens when the two teams that are playing are really really close in points or they're tied in points and the term basically means that like okay if the 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 winning team will get three points and the losing team yes they get zero but another way of thinking of it is that they dropped points they had the opportunity to get three points but they dropped them so, yes, the winning team only got three points, but they have widened the gap essentially by six. Yes, they, they move up by three, but that's one less game that the opponent had to gain those three points. So, essentially, they've lost six points, and it kind of helps widen the gap when, it, when, it, when things start getting really close. And you'll hear this a lot more towards the end of a season rather than the beginning. At the beginning, you know, you, it's wide open. You play every so. it's wide open. You play every team twice, one home, one away. And towards the end of the season, everything gets so close that it's, you know, when it when it comes down to to crunch time and every point counts, as we kind of stressed out these the the first two seasons where we might have made the playoffs, we maybe weren't gonna make the playoffs. We didn't know till the final game if we made the playoffs. So all these points, very important. And then a couple of terms that you'll hear for players, player-specific ones, are a brace and a hat trick. So a brace is when a player gets two points in a single match. So Nina out there, balling, scores twice. The score is two to nothing. Nina got a brace. So there you hey, go. Go, Nina. Hey. Go, go, Nina. Go, uh, Nina. Uh, go, Nina. <laughs> I knew you could do it. I love then, this imaginary world. <laughs> and then a hat trick is when one player gets three points. So Panda out there running. She scores all three. Boom. Hat trick. Now there is a little like zhuzh to the term where if you get the perfect hat trick actually means you scored with your left, you scored with your right, and you scored with your head. Um, <laughs> so you kind of got, you got, you, you got the royal flush of, of a hat trick um, on that one. So good. Know <laughs> Both of you. Both of you just dominate. He obviously didn't see the video I mentioned earlier. You know where hat trick came from? 
I no. don't. Would you Tell like me. to know? Yes. I would love to know. Would you like to know? Yes. So it actually it actually came from cricket. So when a, when one of the bowlers would take three of the wickets from three consecutive balls, the club would give the bowler a hat to celebrate his achievement. That's why it's called a hat trick. So it actually originated from cricket, which I thought was really cool. I love that. Talk about your long matches. That 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 actually as a as a bonus one, that's actually why when you when a player plays for their national team, it's called a cap. Is because they used, to get hats. they used to get hats. Yeah. Like when you got selected for your national team and you got to play for your team, you got a hat. So <laughs> I wish we still did that. I really Fun. do because honestly, I would buy one on eBay. So when are we starting our cricket 101 pod? Time <laughs> does I learn anything about cricket? <laughs> well, it's called cricket because you crack the wicket. Cricket. What's the wicket? The wicket is the stick that they're trying to hit with the ball. They have to try to crack it, but they have bats that they can bat the ball away. They can't crack the wicket if they bat the ball away. Sorry, we were arriving and I'm just... (laughs) I know. Listen, I think I should do a Cricket 101 pod. As long as you rhyme the entire thing. Cricket, wicket, hat, hat. Let's go. Sorry. Hat does not (laughs) rhyme with cap. Moving on. Sorry, I just thought that was fun information that everybody should like to, you know, have in like their little, you know pot of useless information when they're hanging out with their friends they can be like oh by the way yeah so now and you'll next know time you're on jeopardy <laughs> i mean the last time didn't go so well so i get it anyways okay I think- so moving moving on we've got you might have heard or you might hear someone getting megged or getting a, a, a nutmeg um it's not referring That's to the actual megan reed right you're getting megged it's megan reed. <laughs> you're no. getting made well she might be the one doing it to you. It basically means a player that was able to get the ball through your legs or that a player that just kind of, in other terms, like you got juked or you got your ankle broken or like, you know, like in, in other sports terms, it's basically you just, you embarrass the other player, essentially. The, and the way Nanka is for a keeper, a nutmeg is for a defender. And the and honestly, the the nutmeg is the worst one is just generally going to be the one between the legs. Like they you you had your legs wide open to the point where the player was able to just tap it through your legs and then pick it up on the other side and you got megged. Didn't uh, Elizabeth Eddie, didn't she do that in like her very first like touch on the pitch for Angel City? Like over there, that's how she got her goal. Yeah. Like it replaced a little Meg. And that's Ooh. why she's re-signed. And that's why she got re-signed. That's right. So we got playing the advantage. So as in the previous pod, Nina gave us a beautiful explanation about cards and fouls and what happens. There's times where you're, you'll be the one or you'll hear the entire stadium screaming. Why isn't that a foul? And again, it all comes down to the opinion of the ref. Was it bad enough to be considered a foul? And what you'll see is you'll see the ref put two hands forward and just that just means play on like, yeah, that wasn't a bad enough thing for me to stop the the game, keep going. And usually, you know, the team that feels that they got fouled will kind of stop, which it's, you know, the number one thing you teach kids when they're learning how to play. Play the whistle. Play to the whistle. Yes, you, you play to the whistle. If you don't hear that whistle, it hasn't stopped. So keep going. And then again, the the bonus one that I was that I have on here is shithousery. 
Um, okay. It's a beautiful term, uh, my favorite term, that basically means the time-wasting or the creative time-wasting that players start doing towards, usually towards the end of a half or the end of a match, um, especially if they have the advantage or they're just trying to keep whatever advantage they have, even if it's a tie, they'll start, you know, doing the slow walk off the, off the pitch. They'll start intentionally kind of just kicking the ball out or instead of handing the ball to the player, just kind of dropping it behind them or maybe a little tap behind them. Just ways to kind of get under the skin of, of the, the opponents. So, but it's one of my favorite terms. I love hearing it. It always makes me giggle. I love when we do it. Would you, would you, well, I don't know if it's shit hazardy, but recently, I'd say in the last several Angel City games, we saw them doing something where they would kick the ball over to the corner and just play with it in the corner, yep. just wasting time and, you know, just basically not making any kind of actual plays on anything, just trying to hold the ball. And uh, I don't know, do, is that, is that that's, just a good tactic or do you think that's a little shithousery? It's, it's oh. shithousery. It's, it's both. both. It's both. It's beautiful, especially when we're the ones doing it. But it's also total shithousery. <laughs> I mean, there's been games where we were at, at at BMO and we're like yelling because, you know, the part of this also is you might, you know, the, the term, if you're not super familiar with soccer, but you like the thing that you'll hear is like, oh, the players dive all the time or they're pretending they're injured. That's part of shithousery. That's part of like, I'm going to slow this game down. I'm going to stop it. Now, that's where the whole stoppage time thing comes in, where they will add extra time towards the end just to be like, look, if you got fouled and you were on the floor, okay, yes, it hurts. So take a second, take a breather, get up. But if you're like taking a minute, you're like, no, let me add that to the end. But still, it kind of slows down the time. It's, it's the equivalent of in basketball, we were talking how the very last like four seconds can take like 20 minutes because they just keep fouling each other and keep stopping the clock and doing all of that. That's shithousery in another sport. So, And there's also, legal. Real, yes. There's legal, legal shithousery and there's like fouls that are shithousery. So delay of game is a yellow card offense. You can't take 10 minutes to walk off the pitch when you're subbed. Yes. But you can hold the ball and try and do nothing with it in the corner for 10 minutes. Legal <laughs> versus illegal. Shithousery. Yes. And also, real quick, as a nurse, anybody that gets fouled and is able to roll on the ground 42 times in succession like a freaking barrel, you are not that hurt. <laughs> I am so sorry, but you are not that hurt. Nothing hurts so bad that doing a gator roll is going to make it better. When anyone gets really hurt, i.e. like Maxime Crapo, when he like broke, broke his broke his foot, broke his leg, he immediately was just like, I need help. He did not roll around. It was hurt. You can't roll around when your foot's not attached anymore to the bone. So that just drives me crazy to see them do that because I'm like, that, that is just letting me know that you are actually not hurt. Let's just be real here. If you would like stop, hold it, and not move, I might actually take it a little more seriously. But the barrel roll, the gator rolling, you got, you can't. Come on. That is also, just, that's one of the things I love about women's soccer is no, they don't do that. Women no. take their punches and they're like, yeah, that freaking hurt. And then they get up. We don't like over dramatize injuries as much. Right. Yeah, they don't do that. A professional soccer player. 
<laughs> they don't do that, but sh- but the but the kind of exquisite shithousery, they do do that. They'll they'll do Chef they'll do the uh, they'll do the holding the ball in the corner. They'll do the like, oh here's the ball. Oh no, oh it fell out of my hand. Oh you know like that type of stuff. I love it. I love like, it. Casey Stoney the- like kicking the ball when it came to her and being like, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> like I. I got red carded for that. You got red carded, yeah. You got red carded for that. So that was shithousery. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, which freaks out to another point. Shithousery doesn't have to be all the pitch. Yeah, exactly. It can be It can be from the staff. <laughs> yep. And it was. I love it so much. And, you know, Mario, you're giving me an opportunity to also dig into some of my favorite things. I'm going to nerd out again. Are we oh, ready for, for this? Go for it. I'm going to nerd out on Law 11. The The... Rules of the game, the FIFA laws of the game have different chapters. And now I get to detail for you one of my favorites, law number 11. Let me take you on the journey that is offside. Oh, wait, not offsides? Yes, offside. So earlier, you know how I nerded out on the last episode. I'm going to nerd out on you again. It's, it's not a box. It's an area. And it's not offsides. It's offside. <laughs> so colloquially, we will say offsides. You know, it happens. But the law of the game is offside singular. And there are several things that need to happen for the offside rule. It is probably the most confusing rule in all of soccer. But here we go. Let's simplify it down to two words. Cherry picking. Now, (laughs) offside is really meant to just eliminate the possibility of cherry picking where you're just hanging out by the goal, waiting, and then tap it in. Hanging out by the goal, waiting, tap it in. That's why offside was invented. Now, they have made it as complicated as possible. That way they can keep their jobs as referees because we need to have 15,000 components to this law. Let's dive in. First of all, there is two different things. You've got the offside position, which is not a foul in and of itself. And then you have the actual offense the offside offense. Now, in order to be in an offside position, there are several components. Like I said, 72,000 components keeps referees in business. (laughs) A player is considered to be in an offside position if they are, first of all, in the opponent's half of the field. You cannot be in your own defending half. That's that big giant line that divides the field in half. So you're in the opponent's half of the field. And now you are nearer to the opponent's goal line than one the ball, and the second to last opponent. And I say opponent because it's not defenders. A lot of people say second to last defender, but the keeper is a defender. And a lot of people forget about that. So, and it also doesn't have to be the keeper. It's literally just two opponents. If the keeper is for some reason playing forward, it doesn't (laughs) matter. You have to have your body nearer to the opponent's goal line then the ball and two opponents. All so right. like on it. So tell me this real quick, because I just want to make sure I understand. Let's say we're doing a, a corner kick. So everybody's smushed down here. And one of our guys still on that side of the pitch is still on the this side of the line. If he's in front of everybody, it doesn't matter, right? Doesn't matter because he's not in the opponent's half of the field. And that's why a lot of the time when we're doing something like a counterattack, we will position our player to stand just in our half because they're not considered offside or in an offside position until they are in the opponent's half of the field. 
Is that why a lot of times whenever there's like a corner kick or something like that, you do see a lot of that team's players in the back to avoid that from happening? I mean, because you'll see the ball bounce around and there's always somebody back there to get it in that situation. Because I would assume, like you said, they could put somebody way back there right near that goal line and just head it out to them and it wouldn't matter, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So I we are have another in- question about offsides if you're moving forward. Do you want to go one more time? No, I, I want to add something to offside. I have a question for you both. Uh-huh. Oh, go for it. I don't know if you guys have heard, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it's always a good topic of discussion. So Arsene Wenger, he obviously proposed that we go to that the different, the Wenger offside law of offside. And do you know what that is? I have not no. heard of this, no. So the Wenger offside law is this. So you know how somebody can be offside if their baby toe is in front of the defender. Doesn't matter. Every other part of their body could mesh up, but there's one little part that's sticking out that would be offside. Really advantageous, in my opinion, not period. Sometimes it can be, but yes. Absolutely not. I accept your premise. The Oscar, Oscar, the Arsene Wenger law of offside would be any part of the defender and the offense, the, the forward are overlapping or whoever it is, are overlapping. If any part are overlapping, it's not offside. Like they are oh, still... disagree wholeheartedly. No, the offside rule would mean there has to be a, a visual separation between the two bodies for it to be considered offside. Disagree so wholeheartedly. Two, you got two people running along and you know they kick the ball and this is fine this is fine this is fine and then all of a sudden it's not fine because you know he's in front oh let's talk physics let's talk physics (laughs) so if we have a car race and we're doing that little like slanted why is the other guy faster in my opinion that's what i say we're gonna start our hot wheels at the top if my hot wheel is in motion and your hot wheel has to gain momentum or your hot wheel has to shift direction my Hot Wheels going to outrace yours 99% of the time. 99.99999% of the time. No, this is dumb. No. I, I, I kind of agree with, with, the, with the Arsene Wenger rule. Um, oh. But I will say, like, again, the offside rule has 17 billion <laughs> caveats to it, which is annoying. I, I want to say at one point... The rule was basically like if a scoring part of your body. So like if you chicken winged, right? Like right, you're not, not gonna be able to you're not gonna be able to score with your arms. So that shouldn't count as offsize. But right. if your if your legs or your head are past the the, the last uh player, then that should be offsides because you're you're, you're right. you can possibly score with none of those appendages. Okay, yeah. The current rule excludes hands and arms it has to be it still has to be a scoring part of the body you know so even shoulder shoulder can be out we saw that in the world cup boundary line is the armpit the armpit elbows and yeah and anything else but yeah they they say this because they're like this is just going to force defenders to step up their their game to be able to compete with them and not allow them to be outrun like that so what it's going to do is set up for more trick plays that are going to like woo and awe people and it doesn't but it's going to be like by a fraction of a margin. I mean, you're not talking about them being able to cherry pick. You got to be on it, though. You got to think. I honestly don't think that a shoulder 
And that like that should be like that that still requires a lot of skill to get that goal in the back of the net and to call it back because you were here and not here. Like it's not advantageous. Like someone breathes and they're offside and then they know I like I so, don't know. I, I think it's a this. little I think the current rule is just too restrictive. I kind of like it. I would love to see if this would actually make it more exciting and higher scoring too. So I propose an amendment to your proposed amendment. <laughs> not mine. It was Arsene Wenger. Ask him about it. it so it, I think it's different. If both players are leaning forward and you happen to be leaning slightly more forward, our momentum is going this in the same direction. I think the initial offside rule was a way to counteract the fact that my momentum can be going forward while yours is going the other way. And that's creating a gap. It wasn't it was back when we didn't have VAR, which we still haven't delved into completely. And now you're seeing things that are by that fraction of an inch. And that's why I think people are getting more upset about this. Offside back in the day was in the referee's opinion. And it had to do with that AR, that assistant referee who was standing on the line. And their sole job in their positioning is to be in line with the second to last defender. So when you watch that AR, that sideline person, they're supposed to be trekking up and down along their sideline and they're supposed to be in the same exact line as that second to last person, which is usually a center back. But nowadays, now that we're tracking these things and looking at the video, you are getting more calls that are that fraction of an inch. Back in the day, that wasn't the thing. It was you had to be like way over here because it's one person looking straight ahead. It had to be pretty obvious. Let's yeah. be honest. Now, now, again, like I say, we get gold called back because of, a you know, somebody, you know, never skipped shoulder day and the other person did. And it's like, oh, like it's just it. I don't know. I guess it's frustrating. And I think in a in a sport where people are already criticizing it for being low scoring and now having more of a reason to take away goals. I don't know. I feel like if we want to try, I don't know. I don't It's interesting. That's why I brought it up. I doubt the fact that it would be higher scoring and it would allow for more trick plays and more set piece opportunities that revolve around, you know, coordinating and orchestrating a certain type of play. Defense yeah. got to be more well aware and they've got to adapt and they've got to be up to that level of speed of that, you know, that forward as well. So I don't know. I, again, I'm totally, so devil's, totally devil's advocate in this situation. But if Arthur Banger now Arthur Banger is one of the most successful managers, you know, in football history. He knows what he's talking about. He wouldn't propose it if he didn't have a good reason. He's not just some he's not just some schmuck out there on Twitter who's just like, why don't we do it like this? So that's all I, I'm saying. I will say there's an important part of this offside rule that, that Nina hasn't addressed just yet, but it's the point of contact for the ball. Yeah. That really may, defines yeah. All of this. Yeah. Sure. And I mean, we've hinted at this, but you're right. Let's talk about the actual offense. So we've talked about the positioning. In order to be called offside, you have to be in an offside position. Now, the second part is when that ball is played or touched by a teammate. So the moment the offside position is judged is exactly when that ball is played by a teammate. And you're considered to be in an offside offense if you are interfering with play by touching the ball, touching a teammate, blocking a ball, anything that you're doing to affect the game. So if you are not necessarily even touching the ball, but just being in the right position, you can be considered offside. If you are drawing players to you, you are offside. 
So first you get the position, then you get the offense. And the moment it is judged is the moment that play, that ball is kicked by your teammate. So as soon as that ball leaves the foot and the, like there's clear separation, then all bets are off. Right? That's it. That Correct. moment, that snapshot in time. And that's where things like VAR come in because they're looking for that snapshot. Now, there are certain times where there is no offense. An offside cannot occur. You ready for these three? Oh, boy. Oh, you can never have an offside on a goal kick. You can never have an offside on a throw-in. And you can never have an offside on a corner kick. But on a corner kick, it can rapidly develop. So think of a corner kick. The ball's already on the line. There's no way for you to be in front of the ball. But okay. if the ball gets played in and then you're in an offside position, that moment the ball is kicked by the second player, now you're offside. Love it. I never actually thought about it that way. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Wait, so no, no offsides on a throw-in? No offside on a throw-in. Oh, okay. So if he can throw that ball really fast and really far, mm -hmm. go for it? Yep. Is that why he you not throw the ball into the goal, though? If you right. throw the ball into the goal, it's a goal kick. As long as it's not touched by anyone else. But if you throw in the ball and you happen to have, like, superior arm strength, you can see, like, you never miss shoulder day, as you said. But the keeper gets a hand to it because they think, like, oh, I got to save it. Um, that can be a goal. If he touched it. That's okay. He didn't he didn't technically throw it in. It got mildly deflected in. <laughs> Is that why it's advantageous sometimes to see these guys who do these like crazy run up and like flips? Momentum. Huh? Yeah. Momentum. It's all about momentum. Because think about it. Like a throw in is not a ball in play until it's kicked or touched by another player. If you throw the ball in and it just sits on the grass, the game hasn't really restarted until it's kicked by somebody or touched by somebody. So the, oh. ball is, so the ball isn't in play while it's in the air, essentially. No, it's not in play until somebody else has touched it. So if they hit it, then oh, there we go. There you go. Got it. You know See, what I we're love? We're all learning stuff. You know what I love, Nina, is a beautifully timed run on a forward where they're literally behind the defender and then they run and they make it so perfect that as soon as that ball is kicked, they are for a split second in line with that defender, but they've got so much, as you said, momentum that they're not going to catch them. They are not offside because they knew exactly what they were doing. And I mean, that's okay. Am I, am I right? You are right. And you know, if it's you and I, I'm going to need all the momentum I can to <laughs> be able to beat you. <laughs> not today. Today, if you were to try to race me, I don't know that I would do well, but. Oh, we're going <laughs> yeah. out later. So bring it on. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna need. Wait, gonna isn't need isn't that how isn't that how Amanda got injured the first time? <laughs> <laughs> how it always happens. This is a normal. This is what me and Nina do. This, this is our shit housery. This is our <laughs> shit. Our our version of shit housery is right here. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> we talked a lot, a lot of fun stuff today. Do you guys? Do you guys have time for a little trivia? Oh yeah. Ooh, Would game? you like some? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. All right, we we'll start easy, and we'll we'll just do a few, you know, just to you know, just kind of round this out or whatever. Yeah, um, and if you're listening, play along, right? Like, yes. yeah, if if you're listening, play along. I'm trying to think or of one. If I, I don't know how if wouldn't work because if you're playing the game, you're obviously listening, right? 
Really? Let's see. We'll do I some have, easy ones. I answer one. questions in my head. <laughs> Does anybody know? Wow, they changed it, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to ask you this one because I, I guess it, it has changed. So don't worry. Do you know how many official FIFA rules there are? 14. Do you have an answer? Uh, no, I'm going to go 13. There's more than yeah. 13. It might be 17. <laughs> 17 is correct, Nina. Congrats. <laughs> That's right. Only 17. The official FIFA rules were established in 1938 and have since then only undergone minor changes. Obviously, they're looking to, you know, see if they can revamp those or whatever. And uh, they so we'll, them, but yeah. we'll see. So, Nina, you might, uh, you might be advantageous in some of this, but uh, you guys just let me know what you think. So, team one. Whoever that is, is awarded a corner kick. The player shoots the ball from the corner. It does not touch any other player. It goes right into the net. How do you restart the game? Kick off. <laughs> Let's go. You did not even miss a beat. The kicker can score from the corner without any other player touching it. It's hard to do. Not against the rules. And it is called, what am I, an Olympico, am I yes. correct? Yes, yep. an Olympico, yeah. It is called an Olympico. And tell everybody, Nina, why you just said you couldn't throw the ball in, but you can kick it in. Because it's football. (laughs) Love that. All right. As you were were saying that one, I was like, okay, I'm trying to picture it in my head. I also can't picture things in my head. So I'm like, I'm just trying to logic it out. And I was like, wait, this sounds familiar. This sounds... No, I don't got it. And then (laughs) as soon as we were done with like, yes, that's possible. I was like, oh yeah, Olympico. There you go. Do you guys know the circumference of the ball, what it should not be greater than? Oh, my God. I used to. Is it 32? I need, I need that in centimeters. I, oh. Circumference of the ball. Uh, it can be between a, a small range. So the balls are different sizes, but we're talking about like the standard NWSL MLS ball. FIFA, know, whatever FIFA laws are. In centimeters. I'm going to say. How big is a centimeter? I don't know. I'm going to well, say 52 two, centimeters. It's 2.5 centimeters right. per inch. So think about what you're thinking, you know, and like no, double and that. Right. I think Mario got it. What did I say? I said 52? 52? 52 centimeters. That's what I was mm. going to guess. The ball should yeah. be of a circumference of no more than 70, but no less than 68 centimeters. Well, we're playing kids games, so. <laughs> All right. So this one's going to be, again, another scenario. So you got to think about it. So again. Nina, simmer down. All right. <laughs> so the referee starts play with a dropped ball. Now, Claire Emsley, playing for Angel City, kicks the ball before it touches the ground. It goes off of her opponent into her own goal. Nope. Her opponent, the wave, starts celebrating. What action should the referee take? Redo the drop ball. Not, not going to count. Is that correct? Nope. Not going to count. Nope. Not gonna that count. is correct. Wave off the goal and restart because why again, Nina? The reset hasn't actually occurred. The ball is only in play after it hits the ground. And also, if the ball rolls out of play before it's touched, the drop is taken again as well. So you are correct, Nina, with your, your laws of the game. And let's see if there's any other fun one. Uh, you all know these. These are all too easy. <laughs> Ooh, do you know this? To replace a player with a substitute, how many conditions must be observed? There are conditions that must be observed before a player can enter the game. 
Okay, Mario, let's think about this. Okay, okay, wait. Let, let's let's talk this through. Yes. We know the game has to be stopped. We know play has to be stopped. That's one. Play has to be stopped, yes. You have to have, you get a certain amount of, of opportunity. In. There That's are, true. there are sub windows because, you know, you can sub five, but you can only use three windows. So is that three? That's three. Yeah, I, I'm going to go three um, for that. And then they have to like be in uniform and stuff. Does that count for anything? Like the referee has to allow it. I'm going to, yeah. that would be a fourth condition. They have to be an eligible player. I don't know if that counts as a thing. They have to be on the 18, right? So like that yeah. has to be, a, they, they can't just be like, hey, you from the, from the locker room, come back out. And the player cannot have. Been- I can't think of anything else. Are we going to stick with five? It's either five or five. four. I can't be more than five. Go five. <laughs> We're going to go five. I love listening to you guys like go through this and I'm just like reading this and it's just so like specific. <laughs> so, all right. All right. So there are actually seven conditions to replace a player with a substitute. So I'm going to read these. So if you are going to substitute, the first thing you must do is the referee must be notified when any proposed substitution is made. They have to be notified. Now, second, the substitute can only enter the field of play after the player being replaced has left after after receiving a signal from the referees. So that has to happen. Pause on that. Entering or exiting the match without referee's permission is a yellow card offense. Thank you. Goodbye. (laughs) All right. Third, the substitute only enters the field of play at the halfway line and during a stoppage in the match. Okay. The substitution is completed when a substitute enters the field of play. Then from that moment, the substitute becomes a player and the player has been replaced, becomes a substituted player. And then next, the substituted player takes no further part in the match. And last, all substitutes are subject to the authority and jurisdiction of the referee, whether Wait. called upon to play or not. That is the last <laughs> condition. So oh my God. They, have to, they have to say they can do it. <laughs> I like Mario's and mine better. Yeah. You know, I, I feel I like you could, could have, you could have mushed a couple of those together. So five seems what I'm going to say. I'm yeah. going to say a couple of those were like, they were inherently put together as one role. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think they really spreaded that one out a little bit, but all right, one more. And yeah, this one, this will be interesting. What statement describes a proper throw in? Oh, 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 oh. Statement? Oh, yeah. Nina, Nina, go. (laughs) I'm making the statement or are you giving, is it multiple choice? No, it's the statement. So you you have to tell me. There is a statement. What, basically, what are the conditions? Okay. You have to have two feet touching the ground. You have to have a forward motion starting from behind the head. What else? One more thing. Two hands. Two hands touching the ball. Both hands must be on the ball behind the head and both feet must be on the ground. The most common problem with a throw-in is a foot in the air. So at the time of release, both feet have to be on the ground. And if they are just got that momentum going and before they release it, then, then I guess, what would that do? Just do redo it at that point? Well, when you do children, you redo it. When you do adults, you switch the throw-in. It goes to the other team. Oh, really? So if you if you do a throw-in incorrectly, then you've lost possession? Basically. Ooh. Ooh. All right. See, in my, head, I was, in my head, I was thinking AYSL rules where it's like, oh, not do it again. Yeah. yeah. Then you go over and you, like, actually do it for them, basically. <laughs> yeah, we well, right. saw kids... Plant your feet like a tree behind your head and forward. Yeah. 
Oh, Nina, teach me how to play. All right. That's all the questions I have. I don't want to inundate you with all of it. Just thought I would uh, just kind of see how you guys uh, were learning along the way. But that was fun. All right. So if you've been listening to us this long, hopefully you like what you hear. So, you know, give us a follow. Hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your favorite podcast streams. Check out casualfc.com and it will give you everything. We like to say that I've just checked box every single thing that was on there. So there's places where you can get the podcast that I don't even know it actually, it actually is. Follow us on our socials on Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, at casualfcpod. And also follow the Angel City Chicks. That's right. At Angel City Chicks on all those platforms as well, primarily Instagram. Find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you subscribe. Angel City Chicks, also angelcitychicks.com. There you go. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube so you get the alerts when we go live because we like to be a little unhinged and just hit live and see what happens. And sometimes (laughs) you you get chaos. Sometimes you get magic. You never know. So definitely subscribe to that. (laughs) <laughs> yes, the Angel City Shakes do have a live uh, YouTube uh, show. We have our little pre-recorded. We don't like showing our faces, but the lovely Nina and Panda are on YouTube and, you know, join one of their lives, interact with them, chat with them. They respond to things and and love hearing feedback. So please go check them out. Hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, go over to Casual FC and subscribe. You're, you're probably listening to our podcast somewhere else, but just tell Google you like us. <laughs> do me a favor and tell a friend about the pod tell a friend about each one of these pods it brings good luck to the team and we will push that good luck onto 2024 and make sure we try to conquer gotham fc or u.s <laughs> women's national team fc and also if you feel so inclined help support the pod by buying us a coffee check out our link on our socials or buy me a coffee.com slash casual fc pod by buying me a coffee, it's basically we have a pa- it's like a Patreon, but we don't have enough content for your Patreon. So just buy us a coffee or check out shop.casualfc.com for merch because we have stupid ideas that come up all the time. Amazing ideas. <laughs> Is there a buy me a wine.com forward slash angel city chicks out there? No, but I now I mean, make you it. can make it. Yeah. Oh, Pina. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm sleeping on this. Apparently she's she's already on it, guys. Don't worry. Typing, typing, typing. (laughs) So with all of that, thank you and catch you on the next pod, everyone. Bye. Bye.